Today's episode of Our Close of Business is sponsored by Better Living Showcase. All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At Close of Business, News Briefing. Welcome to At Close of Business. I'm Matt McKenzie with the news headlines this Thursday, the 16th of February. Mining services business Parenti has confirmed that two of its employees, previously missing, have been confirmed dead after an incident at the Dugold River underground mine in Queensland. The Perth-based group released a statement today saying two employees from its Barminko division were fatally injured after an incident yesterday morning. In that incident, three Barminko employees, one in a drill rig and two in a light vehicle, fell about 15 metres into a void in a previously backfilled stope when already 125 metres below the surface, Parenti said. Parenti Managing Director and Chief Executive Mark Norwell said it was a devastating outcome. The immediate and ongoing focus would be on providing support to the families, friends and colleagues of the two miners, he said. Barminko has been operating at MMG's Dugald River Mine since early 2012. The state's Auditor-General has found that money raised through the Perth parking levy has been conditionally approved for the Wacker Aquatic Facility, outside the fund's current purpose. The assessment of the politically contentious Perth parking levy, tabled in State Parliament this morning, found the State Government had no plan on how to spend more than $190 million collected via the fee. Plans for a community swimming facility to be built and operated at the Wacker Ground in East Perth hit a snag in 2021 after Perth City Council unanimously rejected the proposal. Councillors have since walked back their initial opposition to funding the pool's construction phase but have been reticent to commit to paying ongoing costs for the pool. An audit of the levy by Auditor-General Carolyn Spencer found $580,000 of funds collected via the levy were conditionally approved for the project, part of the Perth City deal. Spending via the fund is limited to transport infrastructure in Perth's CBD under current legislation. Ms Safiotti said on Tuesday that the State Government would amend the Act, introduced under the Court Government, to allow for greater flexibility in how the levy was charged, as well as how and where the money can be spent. A Cottesloe-based contractor is taking legal action against a subsidiary of gold miner Superior Gold, chasing payment for $1.9 million worth of haulage and loading work it claims to be owed. A writ was lodged in the Supreme Court this week by Wolf Contracting Australia, demanding Billabong Gold pay an invoice the plaintiff claims was issued in November 2022. Wolf Contracting, a privately owned business based in Cottesloe, alleges it was engaged by Billabong Gold to deliver haulage and ore loading services at Superior's platonic gold mine in Coomerina back in April 2022. Superior Gold is not named as a party to the action. The mine has been in operation since 1990 and comprises a producing underground gold operation and two processing plants. In the writ, Wolf claims it completed work per contract for the defendant between April and October last year and issued an invoice for work undertaken in October totaling more than $1.9 million. Wolf is seeking payment in its entirety, plus costs, from Billabong, alleging the company failed to pay the amount owed per the October invoice, despite demand to do so. And finally today, the country's largest grain handler has called an end to a record harvesting season, with Western Australian farmers delivering 22.7 million tonnes of crop into the network. CBH Group announced the 2022-23 harvest surpassed the previous receival total of 21.3 million tonnes, 
with 100 individual sites also breaking records. Chief Operations Officer Mick Dorr said the season looked promising from as early as April last year, with the Grain Industry Association of Western Australia increasing its predictions in the monthly crop reports. Coming up next, I'll chat to Jordan Murray about the impact of rising interest rates on Western Australia's homeowners and whether the state should be worried. Want to get more out of life? The Better Living Showcase has exactly what you're looking for. WA's leading health, wealth and happiness event, packed with live presentations, interactive performances, networking, investment, health and financial advice, you name it. It's all about helping you live your best life. March 18 and 19 at the Perth Convention and Exhibition Centre. Get your tickets now at betterlivingshowcase.com.au or contact 0404 756 347. Welcome back to our Close of Business. I'm Jordan Murray, today joined by Senior Journalist Matt McKenzie for what I imagine will be an interesting discussion today. Matt, how are you this afternoon? Excited to be here with you, Jordan. Now, Matt, you're working on a multi-part series at the moment covering how economic effects are affecting first home buyers across Western Australia and specifically here in Perth. And the first part of that series appears in the latest edition of Business News in which Madeline King graces the cover. Matt, you've taken a look at some interesting data for the first part of that series that tracks whether or not people are behind on their mortgage repayments or I should say more specifically the extent to which people are behind on their mortgage repayments. Can you tell me a bit about that data and perhaps what it tells us? Yeah, there's a few different things I'm going to be looking at over the coming editions, and I don't want to ruin the surprise too much, but one graphic here I think says plenty, and that is that the level of new loans for owner-occupiers in WA, talking about, uh, for example, people building new houses, in one month, February 2021, was almost $800 million, and that was triple the level it was just 12 months earlier. And if you see the graphic in the magazine, you'll go, gee, uh, bubble? Question mark. And I guess that's kind of what inspired my interest in this topic. So the mortgages arrears data, and you can check out our website. We've got an interactive map which looks very carefully at which suburbs of Perth are the locations where people are having the biggest problems repaying their mortgages. Arrears data is basically about people who are behind. 30 days behind, 60 days behind, 90 days behind, or potentially um, even worse. And uh, that's a a good measure, and it's an important measure, because uh, lots of people right now are going through mortgage stress, and as we're going to talk about later, there's a few different ways people are approaching to deal with that. When it gets really bad is when you start to get behind on your mortgage and the bank starts to get really interested, and that could have a, a lot of consequences. If that number goes up substantially, it'll have a lot of consequences for WA's economy. So two different pieces of data that I've come across that haven't been reported anywhere else. The first one is that the the level of arrears in what are called residential mortgage-backed securities jumped in WA towards the end of last year uh, to 2%. What's a residential mortgage-backed security? Well, people who have done some rooting around the GFC will remember this one. Basically, a bank or whomever makes a loan to someone for a house, that's fine. They package up this bunch of loans into kind of like a pool uh, and they sell it off to other investors. Nothing necessarily controversial about any of that, but it is a mechanism that we can use to assess how homeowners are going with their mortgages. Um, Traditionally, in the GFC, the big issue was that a lot of those securities were subprime 
and as it turned out, they'd been given to people that didn't even have jobs or whatever. And I don't think we're at that uh, stage anymore in society, fortunately, but um, it's still a number worth having a look at. Now, that data was from Moody's. There was also some data from a credit agency, Ilion, who are extremely helpful with this. And the number, I think, for WA was 0.87% of mortgages were behind. Um, that's less, obviously, than the RMBS data, and I think it's because it's a different data pool. Ilion uh, are a credit agency, so they'd have access to data about um, you know, personal credit files and all the rest of it, and they'd be able to amalgamate that. And then if you look at the map that we've put online, you'll see that Malaga, for example, is one of the areas where it's very high. There's some little pockets in outer suburbs. There's a, a suburb up near Wanneroo, a suburb in Midland, uh, and so on. But it's quite diverse looking across the, looking across the city. Some areas you think are quite wealthy, uh, and one will have a higher rate than the neighbouring area. So I guess it goes to show that um, you know, the, the impact is variable across everyone. Now, the other number that came from Ilion is 300 people. That's the number of households or families who are expected to fall behind on their mortgages every time the interest rate goes up or the cash rate goes up 25 basis points. Now, that's their number. Uh, that sounds perhaps a little bit lower than what you might have expected. And, of course, we've already seen nine interest rate rises. There's talk that there are two more. I think there might be even more than that, which we'll get to later. But then... There's the other question in the months ahead, which is about people's interest or their mortgages becoming unfixed. So they're going to go to floating mortgages. So a lot of people might have fixed their interest rates at 2.5% or something three years ago, and now that's going to come up. Uh, the, the unfixing is going to come up, and the rate is going to come up in a literal sense to be 5, 6, whatever. And that's going to put massive pressure on people very quickly. Um, I think there's been a lot of talk about it. People are probably aware that their mortgages are coming up, but if anyone's unaware, it's going to smash them, Jordan, and uh, it'll be important for us to watch very closely what the impact of all of this is on the economy. I must say, though, Matt, some of this data is, in fact, a lot of this data is very alarming, uh, but you went and you spoke to some people in the real world who are going to be affected by, as you say, mortgages rolling off the fixed rate and onto floating rates, and I must say they seem for the most part, relatively optimistic about confronting this challenge. Yeah, they are optimistic. And I don't want to be too alarmist about the data because WA has had higher rates of arrears in the past. But two notes. One, the jump over the last six months or so was quite uh, substantial. Two, both sets of data show that it's worse in WA than elsewhere. And there's also been some reporting on some surveys out there that, that suggest that mortgage stress is worse in WA than elsewhere. Why is that? Um, it's not really clear to me. It could be because inflation is higher here than elsewhere, but it's not dramatically higher here compared to elsewhere. So uh, there's plenty more to dig into there. People are optimistic, though. It's hard to find anyone who admits to being you know, seriously behind on their mortgage. It's not the type of thing you want to be admitting to and, and getting a photo. So the people I did speak to, all of them were pretty much optimistic that they would make it work. They weren't necessarily very pleased about it, though. Uh, one thing that I heard a lot was that people would seek to cut their discretionary spending, or they already are cutting their discretionary spending. Um, you know, instead of going out, for example, and having dinner with friends, they might have their friends over and, and cook them a meal. Um, now, that in itself is going to have consequences because there are a lot of business owners out there possibly listening to this podcast who have businesses that are based on discretionary spending. If you have, um, you know, a clothing store, if you're in retail, if you 
make nice dinners and sell them to people or even average style dinners and sell them to people. If you're a bar, um, all of these industries might be hit uh, if people start to reduce their discretionary spending. And then there are other things. Um, you know, people uh, can, once they get to a certain level of their mortgage paid off, they can introduce some competition into the mix and they can seek to refinance with a different lender and try to not have such a big uh, lift in their interest rates. Of course, that requires you to get to that point. You can get there by paying off your mortgage, which is um, something that's easier to do if you've had your mortgage for a while, or you can get there potentially by having your house revalued up, which is less likely to happen, and we can talk about that in a moment. Uh, but that's another option. P some people I spoke to work, and I didn't, uh, I didn't showcase everybody I interviewed because I talked to a lot of people for this. Some people I spoke to were looking at getting different jobs, looking to get higher pay, which is okay in an economy where the labour market is very tight. But again, we'll get back to that in a second. Um, and then there was, uh, you know, there were those who sought to fix their rates and the banks weren't necessarily very eager to do that last year, which I think is very intriguing and actually a little bit troubling. Um, and I am concerned about that particularly because from so many economists at banks, we heard last year, don't worry, it's fine, don't worry, it's fine. It's not going to go up that much. It's not, it's not. And we've consistently seen those projections be wrong, wrong, wrong. But isn't it intriguing that while the economists at the banks were saying these things on television and in media statements, uh, the traders in the banks were obviously taking a different view because if you look at the futures cash rate market, it's always expected higher rates than what banks were saying publicly. And it seems, at least from chatting to a few people, that the people at the mortgage desks in banks weren't that eager. Um, so they might be because there's very beautiful, strong internal walls in these banks and uh, they have different departments and uh, they're totally separate. Or it could be that one department had one view and the other department had a very different view. But I think it's worth, uh, it's worth highlighting there, Jordan. And so uh, all of this, in the next six months, people are going to have to be grappling with, particularly as their mortgages become unfixed and start to become variable because they're going to be hit hard. And people are concerned about it. Everybody is optimistic that they will make it work, but they are concerned about it. It's less than ideal. It's going to damage the standard of living that we're used to having here in Western Australia, which is not, which is not good. We, we want to have the best standard of living we can. And uh, the other point to it is, as illustrated by the Ilion uh, research, is that uh, people will tend to pay off their mortgages and their phone bills as their most important debts. Other debts like credit card bills and things might uh, might be dealt with with lower priority. And so all of that tells you that even if you take the 1% or 2% arrears rate, the pressure is going to be applying to a lot more people out there because they'll be cutting other spending in order to make sure they can keep paying off their mortgage. And uh, so this is just really the tip of the iceberg out there, Jordan, for what's happening for households. And Matt, I hate asking this, people, because I, you don't have a crystal ball. You're not the oracle, but you are well-educated, you are knowledgeable, and you have reported on these issues for some time. And as you even said there, you've spoken to many, many people. Where do we go from here? What do the next six months look like when, as you say, it looks like, based on what we're seeing, people aren't going to be living quite as nice a life in six months as they were six months ago? particularly for people who are newer home buyers that just got into the market in the last few years. Uh, there are two things that I want to raise here that go to the Reserve Bank's um, commentary around its most recent interest rate decision. And this one has, re has received, as best I can tell, almost no media. And that is that the RBA said that there is a narrow pathway to a soft landing. And I don't think we've given that enough attention. A narrow pathway. How do you define the word narrow? 
in a probability sense. A narrow pathway to a soft landing does not mean a 70% chance of a soft landing. To me, it would indicate um, substantially less than a 50% chance of a soft landing. So if the pathway to a soft landing is narrow, that indicates to you that the RBA thinks that the base case is a hard landing. What's the difference between a hard landing and a soft landing? Well, um, I don't think there's a specific number you can give to either, but the point would be this. When you raise interest rates and when you try to hit the brakes on the economy, you might be able to slow to the right speed that you were looking for, or you might end up hitting the brakes too hard. It's very, very difficult to judge, which incidentally is why so many people are passionate about trying to keep inflation under control in the first place so you don't get in this situation. Um, so a hard landing could look like a recession. A soft landing could look like you know continued growth, maybe a little bit less than what we've seen over the last couple of years, but continued growth, unemployment rising a little bit, not too much, uh, and inflation getting under control over time. But if it's a narrow pathway, then we've got to ask how exactly that all looks and plays out. The second point is that they've said that there will be more cash rate rises in the months ahead. In the months ahead. Months ahead. Months is a plural. So everybody's interpreted that to be two, except, again, the cash rate futures market, which seems to be thinking it's more likely to be three. Um, I think two might be a little bit ambitious. I mean, remember, you know, six months ago, people said, oh, it'll get up to two point something percent by the end of the year and then it'll be fine. Um, what we've seen is that inflation has consistently been uh, almost unstoppable and it can be stopped. It will be stoppable. But so far, it's been difficult to stop because it's not just caused by supply shocks, it's not just caused by the Ukraine war, it's not just caused by the oil price, it's also been caused by a whole range of other factors, particularly uh, worth noting, all the government stimulus, all of the money creation by the central bank, all of the uh, time we've spent with very, very low interest rates. And so it's hard to put the uh, cat back into the cat cage or the dog back into the kennel or the peanut butter back into the jar, whatever metaphor you want to use, once we're at this point. So in terms of mortgages, how does this look? Well, look, if the unemployment rate continues to be at record lows, uh, that's really positive, uh, and it will mean that people can get new jobs, get pay rises, for example. But if the unemployment rate starts to rise a fair bit and the labour market starts to soften a fair, soften a fair bit, well, then it's going to be harder for people to get pay rises, and it's also going to mean that those people who have become unemployed, they're going to be in a terrible state when it comes to repaying their mortgages. Um, the other point is about house prices. Now, we've seen in, house, in WA house prices have stayed, or Perth, have stayed reasonably strong compared to the East Coast, but in real terms, when you adjust for inflation, they're down 5.6% in Perth. And so if house prices continue to fall, that makes the revaluations more difficult. It makes it harder for you to say, oh, I've got a, enough equity to, um, to go and change lenders. It also means that there's going to potentially be, uh, as, as these things, as the number for house prices falls and as the number for unemployment starts to rise, um, over time, you're going to see that puts a lot of pressure into the housing market and it might mean that more people are looking to sell or banks are doing more repossessions, which by the way is not the case yet. Banks, re bank repossessions are not rising just yet, um, but there is that risk there. And one other thing I want to add on this is that the mortgage market in WA is a little bit different. I was just looking at the data um, and this will be something I'll be covering in a future edition, so I won't go into too much detail, but in WA we have a bit of a different profile for who gets lent money for for mortgages, who gets lent money for buying houses. Um, it's perhaps a little bit broader, I think, 
than what it is on the East Coast. Still got to do a little bit of research on this, but I suspect, and I won't use the word subprime, but I suspect that there are more mortgages in WA which are less than prime, perhaps would be the polite way of putting it, than maybe there are in other states. Why is that? Well, tune in to future editions to find out how that's going. And I look forward to the next edition of this series, Matt. To read more of this one, though, you can head to the latest edition of Business News or online now to businessnews.com.au. Matt, in the meantime, thank you so much for your work. And thank you to you all for listening to a very long episode. The latest business news, delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au. Today's episode of Our Close of Business is sponsored by Better Living Showcase.